And we have to get self off the throne and put Christ on the throne. So deny yourself, but then take up your cross, take up your cross. I think that that gets back to personal responsibility. Each one of us have a job that the Lord has assigned to us, a cross that he wants us to bear. And then how do we follow him? Uh, That's that daily walk. That's building intimacy with the Lord uh, Jesus. I I like to quote from Vance Pittman uh, that our main priority is intimacy with the Father because ministry flows out of that intimacy with God. Well, back in 1882, the late Reverend Harry Body founded the Brown Missionary Baptist Church. Initially, they held their worship services in a brush arbor near the existing church cemetery. Later, they were able to erect a log cabin. In January of 1989, Reverend Bartholomew Orr became the eighth pastor of Brown Missionary Baptist Church. Dr. Orr joins us now to reflect on his 30 years. That's right. God bless you, Dr. Orr. 30 years Today, January 25th. You're giving me the privilege to be on the actual anniversary. Amen. What a joy, what a pleasure to welcome you here with Bot Radio Network. And I know you have a fond love for this network. You were telling me how your dad and you were listening to us. I grew up listening to Dr. Adrian Rogers. Every every morning, 7 o'clock a.m., Daddy had the radio on AM 640. So that was, hey, that was it. Life. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a neat story because when I hear stories like that as a broadcaster and in, in Christian radio, knowing that we provide a format of programming that what I like to call is good for the soul, you know? It is. I was at your church last Wednesday night for a meeting, and there was a gentleman who heard about the trip to Israel on the radio and came to the meeting. He said a similar story. One particular day, he was listening and driving, listening to Chuck Swindoll. Wow. Chuck Swindoll shared how people can actually know they're going to go to heaven, can know they can have a relationship with God, yeah. had their sins forgiven. He pulled over on the side of the road and trusted Christ. Wow. And today he has a, a ministry to troubled youth. But and to so, God be the glory. Isn't that true? Hey. It's all about getting that message out, and God has given us such great means by which we get that out, and Bot Radio does such a wonderful job doing that. Pastor, how did you determine it was God's will for you to be a pastor? Oh, my goodness. That goes back to when I was 11. Uh, well, no, nine years of age is when I got saved. And uh, later on that year, matter of fact, the um, the year was, uh, let's see here, it was 1978. I got saved, and that particular year, I saw this vision of God calling me to preach, uh, calling me to pastor. I saw the kind of church that he would one day give me. I'm nine years of age, and I see that God is going to give me a church that creates job, a church that ministers to the person wholeheartedly, um, holistically, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial. And so, you know, 40, 41 years later, to see that happening. To God be the glory. You were 19 years old when you first started pastoring Brown Church. I'm sure you you had a dream of what it would be like to pastor a church like Brown. Uh, Thinking about that dream when you were 19 years old to where you are after 30 years, in what ways has God fulfilled that dream and what ways the dream changed? You know, the scripture says uh, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. And so when I went to college, at Christian Brothers here in Memphis, um, went to college in 1987. I went for the express purpose of trying to get a job as an electrical engineer 
so that I can make money and preach on the side. Wow. So I knew I was going to pastor, but I was like, hey, to make money, I'm going to have to do something. So I went to be an electrical engineer. After a, after one semester of chemistry, I switched to marketing. <laughs> <laughs> after another semester, I switched to accounting. And, um, and it was while I was in accounting that Brown called me. Um, I started pastoring the church. And then my humanities professor, Dr. Margaret Sather, I still remember her to this day. She said, Bart, follow your heart. Do what you uh, love to do. What is yeah. the passion and purpose? I switched to humanities. Um, graduating with a liberal arts degree, but I have not looked back and haven't. You're so glad you it. did. So glad I did. You know, something else I had the privilege uh, right at Christmas time to come to Brown Church to see a soulful Christmas. This is going to be my new tradition <laughs> for the years to come. It was incredible, oh, and I, I want all of our bot listeners to make sure you mark around December and find out when soulful Christmas is coming. You've got to go see it. But I had the privilege of sitting next. To one of your college professors at Christian Brothers. Oh, wow. He's the professor that introduced you to your wife, Valerie, at the school. Oh, wow. Yeah. That and is I, pretty I neat. enjoyed meeting him and his wife. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. So it was there, we too. Met, we met at Christian Brothers. Yeah. And uh, matter of fact, I was a freshman, incoming freshman. She was a student ambassador, so she had to be <laughs> nice to the incoming <laughs> freshman. Yes. Now, this week, because of your anniversary, and not only are you celebrating 30 years uh, today in ministry, Dr. Ward, but also you've got a, a monumental birthday coming up, the uh, big five zero. Hey, in June, Lord <laughs> say the same, uh, turn five zero, and so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful 30, 50 milestone. And I would encourage our listeners to keep up with all the activities that are happening because Brown has planned various activities and things, events to celebrate, hashtag 3050 is the hashtag that people are sharing. So you can check that out and see all kinds of pictures, videos, and no telling what you'll find. Well, I've gotten had the wonderful privilege of just pastoring the greatest church, the best church in the world. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Byron, but I grew up on the street that the church is located. I did not know that. I don't think you ever told me that. Yes. So in between the two two campuses where we are now, is where I grew up, wow. right across from the softball fields and in a little four-room shack uh, where my first running water was in my office at church. Wow, what a story. I did not know that. Well, in, yes. in, in light of all the celebration of your anniversary and coming up on your birthday, you've been doing a lot of local media. I'm privileged to have you here. Recently, you were on the historic WLOK 1340 AM, the first African-American-owned radio station in the U.S. Art Gilliam gave you a special award. He did. He did. They surprised me that morning. Yeah. I did not realize that they were planning that. Art's a great guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and not only have you been heard on local radio, but you've also been recently seen on national television, the Steve Harvey <laughs> Show. Well, you know, uh, we, we do a lot of talk about digital discipleship. Um, last year, that was one of our big thrusts, is how do you take the gospel and uh, how do you grow somebody right from their phones? I mean, you know, most of us do everything that we do right from our phone. So what about digital discipleship? How can we teach folks about sharing the gospel through their uh, uh, the digital platform? How can we get people to witness and to even grow through a digital platform? And a young lady, I was preaching a sermon. I, I've been an object preacher yes, all yeah, my yeah. life, all my life. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my mother gave me a globe uh, that's a pencil sharpener. She said, I believe God is going to take you places as your world turns, keeps your eye on Jesus well, I preached, I, I preached with that globe, you know, 
and talking about keep your eyes on, on Jesus or as your world turn. So I've always been an object preacher. The Soul for Christmas was there. It gave me an opportunity to fly in. The sermon was on the return of Christ. It was just a win-win situation. And it was kind of a last-minute thing. The night last, before your sermon, you thought about doing the, this. It was I that week. Um, my wife was my wife is over that so for Christmas, and so she had come up to uh, just to witness them practicing that apparatus to of flying the angels in. And I had never done it, so I said, "Hey, let me let me try it. Let me try this out." <laughs> and it was when I say it was just a joke. Yeah, it was just a joke. Yeah, and, <laughs> but yeah, but social media got turned it started yeah. started saying, "Wow, this is a uh, this is pretty neat." I'm looking forward to the sermon on Sunday, and like you said, Friday night I say, "Hey, is actually talking about coming of Christ." Let's preach about it. Well, you did an incredible job on the Steve Harvey show. What was it like to be on his show? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's uh, it's always a lot of it's great build up to it. Yeah. And then once it's over with, it's like <laughs> <laughs> something about you, Dr. Orr. You have an amazing amount of energy. It's nothing for you to travel across the world, preach a conference and then be back at Brown the next Sunday preaching without missing a beat. I mean, where do you get this energy from? How do you do this? The Lord, Lord has been kind. <laughs> <laughs> He's been kind to me. And uh, and so I, I appreciate Brown for just allowing me the flexibility to go and to come and and I tell you, God is—he's been gracious. I—I I was when I was walking in. Um, I love to alliterate. I think I got that from Doctor Rogers. Um, but three things that I would say has really just meant so much to me. First of all, purpose. I've been able to live my life on purpose of bringing glory to God. You can't ask for anything better than that. And then preaching. I've been able to live my life doing. What I love to do the most. I, I used to get ends in conduct because I talked so much. And <laughs> I never so, would have imagined that. Hey, ends in use. And, and so when I started preaching, Daddy was like, well, he loves running his mouth. So um, and now he can do it in a, in a positive way. But uh, but then the people. Yeah. It, it's been wonderful over the years as God has just brought all kinds of people into my life. Uh, that has really just made it all the worthwhile. Yeah. I believe you to be consistent with your walk with Christ, a man of integrity, humility, kindness, and grace. Actually witness you, Dr. Orr, display these character when we went to Israel together this past year. I appreciate that opportunity. There's a dynamic. When you walk up on that pulpit and you preach, there's something that changes. I mean, it's like a power comes. Can you, can you talk about that? What's it like when you're up and you're expressing your heart and your soul through your ministry when you preach God's Word. Well, again, it's doing what God has called you to do. Yeah. And in that moment, I think Paul Because not everybody it, has that right. same type of energy that preaches like that. Well, Paul says it like this. Uh, I think it was to the Thessalonian church. You know, you heard what I heard, not from just coming from me, but really coming from the Lord. And so for every for any pastor, when we stand in that pulpit... We are God's messenger at that time with his message for his people. And I think God, the Holy Spirit and Christ comes within us to in order to make it effective in what he has called us to do. What's the best advice that you've received from a non-clergy member about your ministry these past 30 years? Oh, my goodness. 
mm, the best advice from a non-clergy. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but, I've got to imagine there's been some senior adults and in, in other people of your church over the years that have had to give you some type of input. Well, let me. Well, <laughs> you know what? So here's what comes to my mind. Um, the late Deacon Jesse James Smith. He was uh, chairman of my deacon for many years. Um, he, he said to me, because oftentimes in churches, my hardest job has been refereeing. How do you keep everybody on the same page, yeah. moving in the same direction? Mm-hmm. And and so instead of retaliating back, uh, Jesse James says, Pastor, when when folks are kicking against you, sometimes you just have to let them keep on kicking. Because if they keep on kicking, sooner or later, they will kick themselves out. Yeah. Wow. That's really good advice. Great advice. Advice that I've taken yeah. And, and live these 30 years yeah. and that probably have saved me a lot uh, from getting in the flesh and wanting to retaliate when someone. Yeah. And I can something. imagine to you would respect and appreciate someone like this that, you you know, was serving with you in ministry, right. even though they weren't actually a pastor or a right. minister or an author of a book or. You That's know, right. I, I like that. Uh What's the funniest scene in the 30 years? Has there been anything that, I mean, I'm sure that has to be humor, because uh, humor is medicine for the soul. I've, I've oftentimes told folks that when I write my comedy book, the comedy book is going to be a funny thing happened to me at the funeral. And, <laughs> at and, the funeral? Yeah, at the funeral. I, I tell you, the uh, the most funniest times, there, there are times that I literally have to sit there and and bite my lip to uh because of the funny thing that happens at funerals. Uh everything from uh a family member breaking a casket one time. Really? Yes. Uh and the the lid on the casket wouldn't go down. <laughs> and the uh, funeral guy had to slam the casket down. Uh my goodness, when when the ice storm came, yeah. And uh I actually had a funeral that day. And so it was just me, the morticians, uh, brother, brother Smith was there. I think maybe one family member and the body yeah, was there, uh-huh. but we still had the whole funeral. Did you really? <laughs> yes. Oh my. Oh, in an ice storm. So, uh, that, that would have to be just funny things at a funeral. People say the craziest stuff at a funeral. Uh, that's the reason why I've always told Brown, I say, look, you need to, before you leave here, decide who's going to talk. And it would be wise to go ahead and find out what they're going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and I mentioned to you this, and I just want to say it again. You know, my father recently passed away in November of this past yes. year, and you came to the funeral, and it meant so much for me because I know that you were incredibly busy. It was a very busy time for you, but to see you there with us in oh, that Byron, service. I count you as a friend. God bless you. Want it, to be there with you. It meant really so much. Staff, I mean, I can't imagine having a ministry, a fruitful ministry for 30 years without having a staff that jails good, you know, that coordinates well together. How important is your staff to you? It it is very important. And that's one of the areas that one of the great things about Brown, I've been able to see Brown at different stages over the 30 years. So when uh, 66 people voted, to elect me pastor, 66 people voted to elect me pastor. So when you think in terms of we've seen Brown grow from a very small church to a large church, staff is one of those things that we've had to develop over the years because when I went there, of course, it was just me. 
And for so many years, it was just just me. So that's been a great learning curve for me is how do you grow staff to match a growing ministry? But we have some of the best staff uh, in the world. I couldn't do what I do without them kept holding up my arms. And so, you know, let me give a shout out to Pastor Derek Anderson. He's our executive pastor. Incredible. Right-hand man. And and then Elizabeth Harmon, uh, who's just been a veteran around there, our church clerk. She kind of just, she's the mama hen for everybody. Yes. Um, Dana Mister. Oh, she's incredible. um, and, And, you know, so... Those three and Tracy Harmon was our comptroller. Uh, they give excellent leadership yes. to everything else that is happening there at the church. Makes my job a lot easier. You mentioned the number sixty-six just now. That actually is leading into my next question. Ironically enough, of the sixty-six books of the Bible, which one have you spent the most time studying, and why? You know, I, I probably would say New Testament and um, the Book of Acts is one of those books that I've preached through. Um, because I look at how do how do we grow the church? What is the purpose of the church? How do we get back to what God have called us to do? So the book of Acts is is one of my favorite uh, for that. But the one that I probably spend the most time in over the years has been the book of Proverbs. Um, and Doctor Spratlin at Mid America, um, he might have been the one that taught uh, taught me this. But how do you read a chapter a day of proverb just for wisdom, just to have um, information, uh, direction, wisdom and everything that you do? And that's been a practice. I don't do it every day like I should, but that's been the ongoing practice throughout these 30 years. You think about how many years that Solomon wrote those proverbs and knowing they're still applicable to today and to today's generation. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I could probably find something in whatever proverb that I'm reading. What does Jesus mean in Mark 8.34, also referred to in Luke 9.23 and in Matthew 16.24, when he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I think, first of all, self-denial. Selfishness is one of the the great barriers, if you will, to really living out what God has called us to do. We are just selfish individuals. It's all about us. I mean, when you think of the sin with Adam and Eve in the garden, even what uh, John is going to say in 1 John, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all of that goes right back to that self-centeredness and that selfishness for, for mankind. So here's what Jesus says. First thing you have to do, you have to deny self. You have to get self out of the picture. I like the, um, oh, my goodness, I, I use this uh, little pamphlet um, all of the time mm, 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 mm. Um, where he talks about the throne. Um, oh, my goodness. You talk about the one from Crusade? Yes. Spiritual laws, four spiritual yes, laws. Yes, but who's the guy? Bill Bright. Bill Bright. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, that name. Crew is the ministry right, now, yeah. Right. Um, but I love his little pamphlet because self is on the throne for so many people. Yeah. And we have to get self off the throne and put Christ on the throne. So deny yourself, but then take up your cross. Take up your cross. I think that, that gets back to personal responsibility. Each one of us have a job that the Lord has assigned to us, a cross that he wants us to bear. And then how do we follow him? Uh, That's that daily walk. That's building intimacy with the Lord uh, Jesus. I I like the quote from Vance Pittman uh, that our main priority 
is intimacy with the Father because ministry flows out of that intimacy with God. And I think Jesus gave the perfect example. His relationship when he was on earth with the Father, the time in prayer, he put a priority on. A man of prayer. Oh, my, yeah. What do you think about the Christian life that's most misunderstood? You know, I I think just this whole element of love. We're we're, we're missing it. We're You know, um, at the end of the day, all of the laws, Jesus says, on these two hang all the laws. Love God. Love your fellow man. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew 22. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul is going to come back in Romans chapter 13. Paul is going to say, oh, no man, nothing but what? To love one another. He says all of the law is fulfilled in this one thing, love. John wrote a gospel on love, and then he wrote epistles all about love. We just uh, finished celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Day. You know, that was all about love and what the church is missing, what our home is missing, what our country is missing right now. It's just love, love for people of different races, love for people of different genders, love for people. Jesus loved everybody. That's a good word, and I, I appreciate it because I, the example of that kind of popped in my mind when I was reflecting back on our time in Israel. Last year, we took the tour to Israel together with Bot Radio Network in November of 2018. And I remember you and your wife are on a different kind of diet, and there were times we would stop at different places to eat, and they didn't always have prepared for you. But I watched you and your wife be very patient very kind to watch you interact with that. I mean, it was real, though. I mean, it, it was yeah. a testimony to me. When we would go to certain places to have a worship time, some places would offer a basket to offer a, an offering. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell on you, Pastor, but you always were gracious about pulling out something and putting it in that basket. That spoke to me. Again, that showed me that Bartholomew Orr is the real deal. Oh, bless your heart. Well, we give the glory to God. I, I know you do, and I know that comes from your heart. I really do. But it, it meant a lot to me. Not that I qu- ever questioned that. It's so nice that you know, when you get with somebody away from your natural surroundings. Away from the church house. Away from the church house. <laughs> because that's really where it counts. That's really where our lives as followers of Christ. I mean, we can get and shout hallelujah in the church. Right. But until we get into our works and our school, mm-hmm. when we take these trips and we're interacting with people at the grocery store, right. that's where... Getting out into the marketplace. The marketplace, Christianity. Yes. yes, yes. And that's why the opportunity is really there for us when we do it God's way. He gives us everything that we need to transform our community. Uh, but it starts with each one of us just getting right with the Lord. Oh, that's another good word, Pastor. Uh, you're here now 30 years in ministry and you're just about to turn 50. Now, there are many of those in the ministry that are celebrating 30 years. I mean, you know, they might be close to 70. Yes. Uh, so my next question, I'm not sure, but do you and Valerie have any plans to retire? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my, my grandson, uh, I call him Pastor Trey. Uh, he's my PIT, my pastor in training. <laughs> uh, he just turned five years of age. And uh, so I told Brown they have a few more years with me uh, because <laughs> to get Trey up to where he needs to be, I've probably still got another 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't know how long uh, the Lord's going to give us, but we're, we're just grateful to be able to be used. If you were to write a sermon about these past 30 years, what would that title be? 
<clears throat> if I were to write a sermon about now, I have so my and I call this my uh, philosophy of ministry or whatever you want to call it, uh, but I call it a marriage in ministry, and it's how do you get people and pastor, shepherd and sheep to come together on one accord to do what God have called us to do? How can we make sure that we are one in terms of our philosophy of ministry, one in terms of our practice of ministry, and one in terms of our passion for ministry? So how do we get on the same page and what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and why we're doing that? Wow. And, um, and that's, hey, so message, maturity, mission, ministry, mentoring. Wow. This has been great. Dr. Bartholomew Orr, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for sharing your heart, reflecting with us these past 30 years. I mean, it's it really is a blessing of, of the Lord. And, uh, I mean, anybody who's ever walked into the fellowship at Brown that experiences there's that uh, there's the spirit of Brown. There is. God has been so kind. Yes. And, and, hey, we are a traditional progressive Baptist church. But God has blessed that old-fashioned uh, traditional church to really, literally reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I just want to say one other quick thing back on the, the soulful Christmas that really stood out to me was the fact that you guys began that production with the Garden of Eden. You set up a, a reason why Christ would have to leave the glory of heaven to come for us. And, and every year is a different theme. Yeah. And so that particular uh, last year as they were getting it together, uh, that's what they wanted to do. They said, you know what, let's, let's answer the question, why did he have to come? Wow. And so I, I thought they did a wonderful yes, job. Did. And I'm yes. so thankful he did come. Yes. Aren't you? Amen. All right. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Let me encourage you to go to the website. Uh, I'm sure there's other activities and things happening at Brown yes. over the next uh, few months. Right. So, www.brownbaptist.org is our website, and they can stream from our website. Uh, our, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, so they ought to look us up. Yeah, especially on Facebook. A lot of times on, was it Wednesday or Thursday night, you'll do the social media uh, and, and you know we'll do a Bible study. I think we do a do it once a month, and we're trying to do that a little bit more. Yeah. But the great opportunities of really using everything that God has given us in order for His glory. Yeah. I appreciate you, my dear friend. God bless you. Bless you, guys. Well, friends, we're going to say goodbye on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint, and uh, be sure and check out the website brownbaptist.org and see some of Doctor Orr's sermons. Thank you for stopping by too. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. 